everybody. Welcome to Working On It, a podcast that follows creatives, makers, and doers working on projects between and after hours. I'm Jack Chacon, and I'm here with my co-host, Gemma DeLog. Hey there. Every week, we'll be interviewing guests to discover useful tips, tricks, and inspiration on topics like time management, work-life balance, motivation, and much more. Today, we have Derek Morgan. Derek is the guitarist and singer of Philly Green, guitarist for Twin Beds, and drummer for Cold Soul. Derek. What's good, y'all? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Yeah. Um, So the first thing we want to ask you is, how did you get into music? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, So... I guess um, it all started probably in junior high school. I had a really cool choir teacher. Um, so she definitely got me motivated to start actually caring about singing. Um, she was she was not necessarily a strict teacher, but uh, she did know how to get stuff done in a fun yet productive way. So that uh, really kind of tipped me off. And then our um, high school hosted uh, the most amazing musicals uh, every year. And so I kind of looked up to the high schoolers that were in those musicals. And I'm like, oh, I definitely want to do that someday because I love performing. I love being on stage, whatever I can do to get attention. Give me that. Eat that shit up. Um, So in high school, I did uh, the musicals and that kind of like flipped my life around and uh, what I wanted to do in the future. And um, so, yeah, I did. I was the lead in like two or three musicals in high school. And I'm like, wow, I love performing, love making music. And my senior year is uh, when I started to actually like write my own music. I had a guitar in like eighth grade and I would just like learn how to cover songs and stuff like that, but never really thought about writing my own stuff. Um, But yeah, senior year came and I started making my own music. Then I moved to Philly and uh, it was game over from then. (laughs) Heck yeah. That's awesome. I like that between the Jack from last episode to this episode, two of our guests have started with like theater. And then there's someone who's really with theater. I'm like, yes, it brings back so many memories. (laughs) Did you do theater too? Yeah, yeah. You might have mentioned that actually, yeah. Yeah, oh wait, so correction, I did not play the aunt who ran the uh orphanage in i think that's what it's called <laughs> in annie i i played the sister-in-law like her brother's like like ditzy sister and gotcha. then i've been in like this thing called shakespeare I'm, i don't know why i'm i'm, ta- I'm tangenting again on this but like there's a thing in new york city called i, I need this information because I'm, I'm starting you an imdb page <laughs> immediately after this so this cool. give it to me straight I mean, like, I, I just participated in so many different things, and one of my favorite ones was, like, this thing called Shakespeare, and it was a bunch of groups of kids from different schools that would participate in, uh, basically, like, say we're doing Macbeth, uh, different groups of kids would play a scene from Macbeth, and it was a competition, and that was, like, mm. awesome. It was, like, an underground really cool. kind of Broadway, uh, yeah, like, off Derek, Broadway. like that? No, not at all. Mine were just, <laughs> like just like regular school, school style. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, sorry, that was that. a tangent, but I. So let's get back to Derek. Um, so you're in three bands, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, like that's awesome. How did you get into those three bands? Um, so I moved to Philly uh, when I was 18. Originally to go to Temple, but I stopped going to Temple my uh, after my first year there. But while I was there, maybe like a month into Philly, I posted on the Temple 2020 page and I'm like, Hey, I really want to start a band. Who's with me. And, uh, one girl commented back, her name was Maria. And so that first year there, uh, we had a little two piece, like acoustic band called peak 15, uh, which is the highest point on Mount Everest, by the way, the more, you know, Ah, yeah. Um, and then after that year, we're like, all right, we want to turn this into a full band. And so we had, uh, a friend of a friend who played drums. And so our friend hooked him up or hooked us up with him. And uh, we jammed with him a couple times and immediately the chemistry was there and he is extremely talented. His name is Murph. And then my friend uh, Tucker uh, 
who I met in Ohio moved to Philly the year after me to pursue music with me. And so we all four got together and uh, created Philly Green. Uh, we changed the name once we released our first single, I think. Um, and Philly Green is a mix of Philly and Bowling Green, Ohio, which is where uh, Tucker and I are from. Gotcha. Yeah, a lot of gotcha. people think it's about weed, and I like that a lot too. So we'll say it's half <laughs> weed, half location. Uh, I assumed it was like the Eagles or something. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. That works um, there. So, yeah, so that's been going on for like three, almost four years now, which is cool. And then uh, the second year I was living in Philly, I met uh, this guy named Zach through my acapella group, who Gemma knows and has worked with. <laughs> Love him. And uh, I learned that he played drums for a band called Twin Beds and... Uh, they were like one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite high show bands for a while. They were just the three piece. And after they recorded their first full length album, they were looking for uh, another guitar player. And they asked me to be that guy. And so I have been in that band for a little over two years now, I do believe. And it has been amazing. Um, that's the only band where I've actually like gone on tours with. Uh, they did a full U.S. tour. I wasn't part of uh, the whole thing, but I did like a third of it, which was awesome. And uh, hopefully uh, going to be able to keep doing that with them uh, before too long. Gotcha. So. Oh, go ahead, Gemma. All right, before that, how did you get into Cold Soul? Did you dive into that already or? No, no, I did not. Um, I think, uh, so Philly Green played a show with Cold Soul sometime last year at uh, a warehouse venue in West Philly. Um, and then the the lead singer for Cold Soul posted on a Philly DIY group I'm a part of on Facebook, hey, we're looking for a drummer. And so I remembered that name and I looked them up. I'm like, oh, we played with them. I really like their sounds. And I hit them up and uh, started jamming with them and was accepted pretty quickly. So very excited. Heck yeah. Uh, so is that relatively recent? or? Yeah, yeah. I only got to play one show with them uh, before I moved home to Ohio. So I, maybe like four months ago, I joined them. Oh, like, so pandemic, or like, so join Cold Soul, mm -hmm. pandemic, That's like, it. bug yeah. out. Yep, exactly. <laughs> okay. I feel you. Um, so I was going to ask, like, you know, how do you manage your time in order to be in three bands? But I, I feel like you were in that last band for not so long, but still two bands. There's a lot of bands to be in. Yeah. Um, how do you manage your time and, and make all that work? So um, both the bands are kind of sporadic uh, on practice schedules. Luckily, they are all very talented people, so we can all practice on our own. And then when we do get together, um, it's relatively a, a smooth practice. Uh, but it really doesn't take up that much time as much as it sounds like the most time that it takes up is when we have shows like on weekends. And that's all I really want to do on weekends anyway. Um, so I'll have like maybe a Friday show and a Saturday show. But most of the time, it's not even that like one show a week or one show every other week and then practice maybe like every other week. So it's uh, definitely doesn't take up too much time. Um, most of the time spent practicing on our own. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I would have assumed that was like insane or something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I was uh, definitely nervous at first, uh, but yeah, it's been a lot easier than expected. That's awesome. What? So I know, um, I mean, I follow both Twin Beds and Philly Green, and I've often seen that sometimes Twin Beds and Philly Green would play in the same shows, but what? happens if you get double booked for shows in different venues how do you kind of manage that uh so we try to stay uh way ahead of that so like when we book our shows it'll be like weeks if not like more than a month in advance so we know not to play another show on that same day but the first show i played with um cold soul I also had a Philly Green show that night. So I had a Cold Soul show in West Philly. And then I had to book it to East Philly to go play at uh, Kung Fu Necktie with Philly Green. Um, so I played, uh, I think Cold Soul played first, luckily. So as soon as I got done drumming, grabbed myself, hopped in my car, booked it over to Kung Fu Necktie. And they were waiting for us for like 10 minutes or so. But it was chilling. It ended up being pretty cool. But nice. honestly, it was a rush. It was a lot of fun. Uh, a night filled with a shit ton of music making. It was a good time. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I just want to say, like, if you haven't heard Philly Green or Twin Beds, actually, I don't think I've heard Philly Green live yet, but Twin Beds in a show, 
fucking awesome, guys. Yeah, you thank have you. to catch them. I can't wait when shows get to come back on and I get to see Philly Green and Colts too, because the sound is awesome. Um, but yeah, so um, I was kind of wondering what is the process of booking yourself for shows work and how is it different than uh, when you go on tour? Okay, definitely. Um, so I book uh, most of the shows for Philly Green and in Philadelphia and in most uh, cities, even if it's a smaller city, as long as they have like a DIY scene, they'll have a Facebook page. So I'm a part of like uh, I was talking about earlier, a page called Philly uh, DIY Collaborative. And uh, you literally can just go in there and uh, there's house show venues that'll post and being uh, just being like, uh, hey, looking for people to hop on this bill this day. So you can message them, send them your Spotify links and uh, they'll hit you up if they uh, like your stuff. But uh, sometimes, too, I'll just hit up venues on Instagram. I'll usually try and get a bill together. So I'll hit up different bands, three or um, two or three different bands and get a lineup together before I approach a venue and then send them all of our stuff and be like, Hey, we're looking to play this weekend, whatever. Um, and that is, yeah, that's usually how I book shows for Philly green. But so how does the, so how does the, um, sort of like the business end of that work? Like, do you guys like split, do you get like a door, like cover fee or do you like split the bar like how does that work yeah it definitely depends on the venue so for like uh house shows a lot of the house shows will just uh collect all the money maybe take a small slice for themselves and then split the rest up between the three or four bands that we're playing uh even yeah. um when it comes to like bar venues and uh, just other smaller venues in philly uh we usually get the door um some will make you uh make a certain amount before you get to keep any of the money, um, mm. which is totally okay. Like I'm definitely not in it for the money and I probably never will be. Um, but to sustain myself off of music would be amazing. Yeah, awesome. definitely. I feel that. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, you know, you're talking about, you know, three different bands, kind of different processes. Um, like you said earlier, you didn't have like a whole lot of time to hang out with cold soul, but uh, when you're working in a group environment like that, how does the creative process work and what's it like in comparison to like your own personal creative process? So um, Philly Green, I definitely have different processes for all of them. So it might be a long answer. Yeah. Um, but no, that's perfect. We want to give it, make it rain. Yeah, all the tell us. Man, I'm, <laughs> we're trying to learn some stuff. Good stuff. All right. So for Philly Green, I write, uh, the guitar and lyrics before any of us really get together to play it. Um, so I'll record like a voice memo of me singing through a song um, and then send it to the rest of the band members. And before we meet up for practice, hopefully they listen to it enough to either write a part or get a feel for it, uh, the vibe of the song. And then when we get together, we'll kind of run through it like three or four times. And after every time we'll be like, all right, so what do we need to work on? Uh, what parts should we fix? What parts should we cut? Um, so, yeah, for Philly Green, we'll probably just run through a song like a couple times in a practice, then go through the rest of our stuff, then come back to that song and be like, all right, let's try this again. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, Twin Beds, I do not write anything for uh, John and Jack write all the the music for that. And Zach adds in uh, his own drum parts. Um, but they usually will write a lead guitar part or a rhythm guitar part that um, I will play. So they'll um, usually meet up with me and teach that to me before we practice together as a band, too. So when we come together, uh, we all know our stuff and can kind of melt it together. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Cold Soul, I probably had like maybe six, seven practices with, uh, which was pretty cool before I left Philly. Um, and they are different in the sense that we actually get to practice in a studio for them because they are Drexel students, so they can rent out studios to practice in, I, which is, yeah, very, very yeah. ideal. So they already That's have awesome. a kit there, so I don't have to bring, like, my whole kit, drag it anywhere. Just got to bring my sticks, maybe a cymbal. Um, but that has been a new experience for me, writing drum parts. I've never really done that before. Um, I've played drums since, like, my junior year of high school, but not like 
consecutively like um Mm. it's been on and off um until i got like a full kit in philly this past year uh but with them uh a lot of their stuff was already written um and on spotify with a different drummer so i just kind of learned those parts and maybe spice them up a little bit um and uh yeah honestly i don't know with drums it's it's very hard it's a weird process i'm still trying to figure out um and creating something that's unique but makes sense. And okay, so here, all right, so here's something though. I I'm trying to remember because I, I you did a like a Instagram live with Gemma mm-hmm. um, a while back. Were you like doodle? Are you like a really good drawer? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Are you like just a stellar illustrator person? You know? Hell no. <laughs> Wait, but you were drawing stuff, right? I was. Did you see what I drew though? I thought it was so good for like oh, you did it in no. like five seconds or something. It was incredible. It's horrid. Oh my god. <laughs> he it's like a thick figure cat. It's yeah, it's Do you something out of my one? Which one? <laughs> I had what two Oh no. I had two people draw on my on my lives. So you oh, might I thought all right well okay but in any case my my real question is that you know so you're you know you have like a group that you have to work in within to be creative within mm-hmm. um and so like you know obviously that means sort of melding your creative process with other people's and it sounds like in some instances you give more in some instances you take more um, and, you know, I'm sure there's like dynamics, um, in terms of like how people like to contribute to each other and all that stuff. But when it's just you, what is your creative process like and how much of that like carries over? Do you feel like you have to adapt a lot more when you work in a band or do you think that in the bands that you're in that everybody kind of comes full force and it just kind of like swirls together yeah luckily um in all of my bands the chemistry is a plus so there's not yeah. a lot of butting heads in any sense which is really cool um the yeah. process is a lot different uh when i write music by myself uh compared to like bringing it all together um but in the same sense like when i write something for philly green i kind of have a sense of how i want it to sound um as a full band and with the members that i have they make that sound without me even telling them to do anything which is really, really cool. We're all kind of on that same wavelength, I feel like, in every band, which is awesome. And not a lot of bands are like that, too. Um, a lot of bands break up because of those reasons, uh, because they all want, like, a different sound or a different part. Yeah. And just that butting heads. But, yeah, I'm very, very lucky to be in the bands that I'm in. Dog, you're super blessed, because, like, most of the people I know in bands are all, like, it, like they either have very, like, very different goals like with the kind of sounds they want to make mm-hmm. and like the things that they like and they sort of have to make them sort of roll together and like swirl together. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I feel like most people like end up butting heads. You seem to be just like, so on track with everybody is, yeah. is there like a secret to how you found the people that are like on your vibe or like, no, nah, just make sure know. they all smoke weed and I think you'll be chilling. Okay, there it is, man. <laughs> that'll work. Yeah, that, that'll do it. That probably will work. That's so funny. Um, yeah. So what would you say is your biggest struggles when it comes to making music? I mean, you talked about, you know, uh, learning how to write drumming, the drumming parts. Uh, mm-hmm. What are the things that you kind of run into when you're making music? Uh, definitely. Uh, my biggest struggle, and I think it probably will always be my biggest struggle, is lyrics. Um, I'm at a constant battle of what do I want to say versus what do I want people to hear. And um, I don't know. I always have to remind myself that I'm writing the song for myself and nobody else. Um, so when I write down lyrics, if I'm like, oh, what if people think that's stupid or that doesn't go right? Then I'm like, wait, fuck it. Like, this is my song. I don't care if people like it. I want people to like it, obviously. But this is for me. This is a personal thing. Um, but as far as lyrics go, I definitely would love to delve into like some songwriting classes or lyric classes, whatever I can find and really uh, expand my knowledge and like vocabulary, honestly. And uh be able to say things in a more precise way, in a more uh, purposeful way than um, 
I am. But even then, like my songs from two, three years ago to now have improved dramatically. So I'm improving whether I know it or not. Um, but looking back on it, very happy with it. That's awesome. Mm. What would you say is your approach to writing songs and writing lyrics? Um, so I usually don't go in with a single plan. I'll just uh, pick up my guitar. Um, I write guitar and lyrics at the same time. Um, some people will write all guitar first or all lyrics first, whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll usually try to find a guitar parts uh, that I like and then find a melody in my head and then just kind of like ad lib until I find some lyrics that are meaningful to me and uh, something that I want to delve into more and really write about. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so other than your bandmates, what are like the most important relationships uh, you've made you know, in music, is it, would it be like venue people or like, you know, anybody you've met? Um, definitely other bands, uh, a lot of bands mm. on tour, uh, twin beds, uh, during our full U S tour, the last like 10, 11 days, we met up with another band uh, from North Carolina called old sport. And we finished out the tour with them and they mm. became some of our best friends. Like instantly we miss them dearly like every day um wow, that's awesome definitely on tour um because when people know you're on tour they're bound to treat you even better and talk to you more and converse with you which is really really cool um so there's a lot of personable people in the diy scene everywhere and like almost every show we played it's just the best people i don't know what it is something's in the air it's just the good vibes of the music but yeah on tour we meet a lot of great people so I have a question with like, I'm not super well versed in like all the different music scenes out there. Explain to me what differentiates the DIY scene. Like what is the DIY scene specifically? Uh, when I think of DIY, I usually think of house shows. Um, okay. So yeah. Playing in living rooms, playing in basements, anywhere that is not an actual venue and you're not going to get stiffed anyway, which is really cool. Cool. Yeah. It's really, right, yeah, it's, it's a really cool true. experience, honestly. When it's just like, oh man, I'm going to this house. I remember the first house I went to, I think it was for the twin, for twin beds. And I walked in and I was like, am I in the right place? It's like so awkward. But then like <laughs> you head down and it's like, it's also too, um, because a lot of the friends that uh, I know, um, also coincidentally, Zach knew because of the acapella group. So Tony, who I worked with in the bookstore, so full that we, we have mutual friends with. And like then I head down to the basement and these are the people that I know. I'm like, oh shit. And like even people you don't know, you're just vibing with them because everyone's just joining the music. And uh yeah, it's really cool. So I guess that kind of leads to my next question, because you've played at Kung Fu Night you've played at some other different venues, like I guess legit quote unquote legit venues. Mm-hmm. do you see a difference in uh performing at these venues whether it's the crowd the vibe uh anything like that definitely um house shows have always and probably will always be my favorite to play because of the crowds nobody really gives a shit there what they look like everybody's together like you said everybody's kind of on that same DIY wavelength, you know, which is really fucking awesome. Um, nothing against like the real venues that we played at, obviously, because um, most of the time they'll have a, a better sound setup than most uh, house shows, which is definitely the pros to those. But as far as the crowd goes, the ticket prices will go up. So we're not going to see as many people there. And um, mm. yeah, depending on what the space is, like what the vibe of the space is, you know, the crowd might not go as wild and they might just have their hands in their pocket, just kind of moving. But a house show is almost always everybody's going to be dancing. There's going to be something crazy going on for sure. Sickest house show ever story. Go. Sickest <laughs> house show ever. Ooh, I've played a lot of great house shows. Um, my favorite recently, um, I played one on my birthday, which made it even that much better. Um, January 24th, I set up a show uh, at my, I met uh, a friend of a friend. His name is Sebastian, and uh, he lives in West Philly. Just started this new venue at his place called the Nasty Banana. And uh, 
I hit him up. I'm like, yo, I would love to play uh, my birthday show there. Uh, I hit up some of my favorite bands. Uh, Twin Beds, of course, hopped on it. American Adian and uh, Humilitarian. So all my homies, uh, all my like some of my favorite bands in the Philly DIY scene. And uh, a shit ton of people came out. It was insane. And they have a huge basement there. So it worked out perfectly. A lot of cool decorations. And just everybody was dancing the whole night. And people have never went so hard for Philly Green before. We closed out the show because uh, it was my birthday, of course. And um, I even had my friend. Uh, her name is Liz, but she, she has an artist name called Zil Futura. And she is a designer. And she made me custom pants for that show for Twin Beds and Philly oh, Green. Oh, cool. That that's said awesome. Twin Beds and Green. Yeah, they were super tight. Um, but, yeah, I was just feeling it that whole night. It was one of the best nights I've had in a very long while. Hell, yeah. That's awesome, man. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I, so we were talking about relationships earlier. And one of the things I always think about is, like, how do you – have the opportunity to record something, you know, luckily with cold soul, they are track soul students. So they have uh, access to equipment. I remember when, uh, Renee and I did a piece for twin beds for our blog. And that was after that, how show we went to near Drexel. And I think, was it Jack or John? Someone mentioned that you guys worked with the local producer to produce the first album um were i guess were you part of that process and would you be able to tell us more about like how you guys were able to create that relationship i was not part of that process um i i have not recorded anything with twin beds they do it all on their own since they're writing the parts instead of like teaching me and then having them or having me play it they'll just do it all in the studio okay gotcha so yeah, so i'm not so tight with their producer but uh they uh What's his last name? His name is Gary. I forget his last name, but they are very, very tight with him. Gotcha. So then can you tell us more about uh, how you guys like find the equipment or where do you go to record uh, for your songs and your, your albums? For sure. I'll speak on Philly Green's behalf. Um, so the very first song that uh, we released, um, a friend of a friend is an amazing producer. His name is Liam Reyes. And uh, he lives in Jersey, right by uh, New York City, actually. And so we went out there, I think it was in 2018, and he had a, a home studio in his basement. And uh, the equipment was top-notch. He knew what the hell he was doing, and we did not. It was our first time recording anything uh, professionally like that. Uh, it turned out awesome. But uh, this last song that uh, we just released, um, the guitar player, his name is Noah Wise from Humilitarian Produced. And he also has uh, his own studio in his apartment and just top-notch stuff. Um, he went to school for it, so he knows exactly what he's doing. And it turned out really, really cool. But uh, as far as me, like, I don't know a shit ton about recording equipment or anything like that. I know a couple good microphones, but um, probably out of all the bands, Zach would know best because um, he was an MSP major and uh, he knows his stuff. So that definitely comes in handy when recording demos or anything like that. Nice. Um, okay, so Gemma, I know that you must be tired of asking pandemic-related questions at this point. Oh. <laughs> but I gotta ask, Derek. I gotta ask. Let's hear it. Um, with the pandemic raging, mm -hmm. or you know, just being out there and shit, um, <laughs> raging. <laughs> <laughs> People are dropping left and right. I'm just kidding. They they kind of are. So you know, you know, you know, sensitivity to those people. But um, <laughs> I'm completely butchering all the sensitivity right now. Anyway, story is <laughs> with the pandemic going on. Um, I feel like, you know, the way you describe the DIY house show scene, it sounds like it definitely relies, and I'm sure music in general relies on people being together and kind of like being in a place. How do you think that like the DIY scene is going to be immediately after the pandemic? And do you think it's going to take time to bounce back and like, 
you know, mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, talk about that a little bit. Definitely. There's been some discussions, uh, discussions on that Facebook group that I'm a part of about this. Um, but my personal opinion or what I hope for, at least, is that DIY shows will prosper after this compared to stadium shows or bigger venues, which is mm-hmm. awesome. I think a lot of local bands and local artists are going to do really, really well after this. Um, everybody's going to be dying for music. A lot of people that usually go to bigger shows aren't going to be able to do that uh, maybe until 2021. Who knows? Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the smaller shows, the DIY shows, are going to be where it's at. I'm very... I'm unbelievably excited for my next show that I play because I know it's going to be fucking popping off. Um, as far as, yeah. like, time-wise, I'm not sure, like, when the next time I'll be able to even play, like, a house show is. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Um, I'm probably, this is not the best thing, but I'm feeling overconfident in, uh, I don't know, just how safe I feel that I'm not going to get the virus. And I know there's other people out there that kind of feel that way. But like whenever I move back to Philly, I don't know when that's going to be. I would love to at least put on a show for the homies, like not maybe end it up for the public, but just invite all the friends over, you know, and uh, play that way. But um, yeah, I think venues are going to be extremely cautious in uh, booking shows. That's what uh, some of the discussions on the Facebook group uh, were talking about. Like, even if we were to set up a show, like who's going to come out and like, is that okay? Should we have precautions? Like what's going to be the next step? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, Has anybody sort of talked about precautions? Like if you, I mean, because I I feel like, Part of the appeal, I imagine, of like these DIY shows is that it's a little bit more like loose mm-hmm. and like kind of like anything goes type vibes. So, you know, how do you institute precautions for that? Like, how do you do like just, you know, bring a mask or like, you know, scan everybody with a yeah. you know, laser when they come in or whatever? The only thing I would think of um, is just like mask and like no fucking moshing, no touching each other, you know? just like mm-hmm. kind of have your own space what well, it's not i would assume it doesn't have to be six feet that'd be the most awkward show ever um but like, <laughs> yeah right you know, try not to touch anybody try not to dance too hard so you're swinging your arms all over um but rather just uh fucking close your eyes and enjoy the music you know <laughs> i think it would also be hard to say six feet apart in a basement <laughs> oh my god you probably <laughs> people down there like, yeah you know. <laughs> Four people down there. That's not even going to be a show. It's going to be chilling and exactly. This is what you do. Look, this is what you do, man. You you got your basement, okay? You set up a box fan at the top of the stairs, Uh okay? And you just have like a guy just like hit it with some Febreze every once in a while. You know what I mean? Or like you, or you get somebody who's just really trying to dance their ass off and you give them like two Lysols and they just spin and just hit everybody. You know what I mean? Or just, or like, just like, go ahead, go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say, I'm <laughs> Like, or if like somebody just starts going crazy, just spray them with a water bottle like they're a cat. It's like, stop that shit. Or, or this is what you do you close all the windows, all the doors, you you crank the, the stove and the oven up. You know what I'm saying? And you just cook that little motherfucker. You just cook that virus. Yeah. You know burn what I'm saying? Burn that virus out of your system for yeah, sure. Burn it out. Yeah, get it out of there. Wait, Derek, what was your idea? I feel like a doctor right now. I feel like a scientist right now. I'm like solving problems left and right. You, Gemma, you got problems? We're going to cook that motherfucker out. Let's do it. That's exactly how I'm going to cook my problems away. There you go. That works. Yeah. That may indeed work. That's or. So or everybody's getting COVID. I don't know. <laughs> One of the two. Let's we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so with the DIY scene, what it seems like it's a very community based thing. It seems like everybody's like just kinda like, you know, hanging out with each other. Do a lot of bands like spin out of the DIY scene and then like like I like I feel like with the DIY scene, do a lot of you guys have aspirations to like blow up or do anything like that? And do you like actively seek marketing and like all that kind of stuff? And if so, how do you do marketing for all that? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely important uh, to kind of sit down with your band members and be like, so what do you guys want out of this? What do you want yeah. to do with your life? Like if you have another dream that you're pursuing something that you went to school for maybe and you want to do that full time, 
awesome. Good for you. Um, but like me personally, like I am fucking all in for the music. And I know that's how Twin Beds is as well, which is really, really yeah. cool. And, and some members of uh, the other bands as well. But I know Twin Beds is like we're all there, which is fucking awesome. So we definitely are trying Great. to build our build our name up. That's why we're doing these like DIY tours. And also, I didn't answer your question uh, earlier on how they book the the tours. Um, but, yeah. um, Twin beds. John does most of the booking uh, for those, and most of it is yet again like on Facebook, which is really insane. And also proof that anybody can book their own tour if need be. Um, mm. But we are definitely trying to get our name out there, so we have a following in like bigger cities or just some select cities that we know we want to play in again. Um, and so while like, I guess that's the phase that we're in now, uh, still kind of building yeah. our name up before we look for a label or anything like that. Cause I think the label will probably be uh, the next step. Gotcha. I was yeah. just about to ask you what the next step was. <laughs> so, which is awesome. But I guess, I mean, something that Jack and I have talked about a lot with other all of our other guests is, you know, where, um, you know, someone's just making music or they're doing their thing and then they blow up, you know, whether, you know, we've gotten a lot like, Oh, it's just about luck and timing. Um, but I guess in your case, like with twin beds or Philly green or coastal, whichever it is, what would you say would help you get to that next step? Or maybe like, what have you seen, with other bands that has helped them blow up? I know that's probably like a pretty big question. <laughs> I could ask two questions <laughs> in one, uh, but I guess I'm just like, yeah, wondering that, yeah. you know, cause we've talked about that a lot. In particular, like I'm super curious about that last part that you were talking about, like how, like, have you seen other bands blow up? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, um, rubber, if you've heard of them, uh, they're from Philadelphia. They went to temple, uh, really, really cool band. Um, they are part of um, Temple's record label. And so they um, have gotten a lot of exposure that way. I don't know how much oh. they do um, booking on their own. I'm talking out of my ass right now, but I'm assuming that uh, Temple's record label has definitely helped them uh, get that exposure because they uh, they play some decently big shows, get on some festivals, stuff like that. Um, oh. As far as like bands like me, like I said, I think touring is pretty much – the only way to do it like you can you can go online promote your shit wherever you want as many websites as you want fucking reddit facebook instagram wherever you want but those aren't physical people those are virtual people and like you can bump your numbers up on spotify cool but are those people going to come to a show have they seen you live do they know what your show's mm. like are they going to bring their friends and tell tell their friends about you um so playing shows literally just staying after it and getting out of the the city that you're in to play shows because you can play shows all you want in Philadelphia and you're going to bring the same people every time. Um, you might build your crowd a little bit, but even if it's like just across the bridge in Jersey, you know, um, so yeah. play touring, playing new places, um, it's going to probably build, uh, build it up more than anything. But I mean, I don't know. We're still trying to figure it out too. I think everybody is. I don't think there's a, a yeah. that way, you know, cause if there was, everybody would be doing it that way. And I feel like the way that people evolve to the next level changes all the time. Oh, yeah. It's like every – especially when you think about marketing and everything like that, like technology advances and marketing is always like a step behind. And, you know, Mm -hmm. by the time, you know, a band figures out how to work all the levers, um, the levers get moved to a whole different place. (laughs) And it's like – so it's always kind of changing. So I I totally get that. But it's like – you know, well, I guess with that in mind, you know, what do you see being something in the future that you could take advantage of? Like maybe related to the pandemic. I, I feel like everything is pandemic related these days because everybody is just always like thinking about the pandemic. But, you know, you know, I'm going to be let me let me give you my like self-help book, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what do you call it? Um Career coach or like, you know, <laughs> life coach uh, advice thing that I always hear is like. I, I don't even know who said it. It might have been the the tall guy with the big chin. You know who I'm talking about? 
<laughs> no, you made the face like you've heard of this man. Yeah, you. I have yeah no and he has no. Oh, no, it's the big guy with the big chin. He says all the life, the the, the life coach things. Anyway, moral story is. I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm flailing right now. But anyway, look, this guy, the really big life coach guy, uh-huh. really big chin, yeah. six foot five. Huge chin. Uh, he was homeless for a while. And then he made a bajillion dollars or something. Anyway, moral story is, and I don't even think this is the guy, so I don't even know why I'm trying to describe him. But uh, this, somebody said, I don't even know. Somebody said that the Chinese character for Crisis is made of two different characters, and one of them is opportunity, and one of them is danger. And so anytime I hear about like some crazy like world breaking thing or like some insane problem, I'm always like, how can you judo flip that? How can you make that work for you? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So I don't know if you've been thinking about that at all or like no, you know, what the advantages are, but uh, <laughs> dude, you need to get like my big chin friend and, and start, you know, thinking about it, man. You no, know? but I have been thinking like the first show back, um, I definitely want to book a show for Philly Green. And uh, I want to hit up a bigger band than we're used to playing. I want to. Yeah. I want our first show back to absolutely pop off, and I'm going to do everything I can to find the venue and bands that'll make that happen. I think that first show is going to be one of the most important. Not that it's going to be any more important than the rest of our shows, but like that first show back has just got to hit for sure. Hell yeah. yeah. I feel that, yeah. Sorry, um, I just get really excited that Luna's behind you. <laughs> I knew that's what you were You were making faces. I knew I that's know. what it was. I was like, oh. You okay, look. Oh my Luna God. was mad cute when she was little. She's still so I cute. Know. Oh, my God. She was so cute. Anyways, um, go ahead with your question, Jack. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say, all right, so one of the big goals for Culture Snack so Culture Snack used to be a magazine that I was running in my hometown, right? And one of the cool things we used to do is like we used to meet all these interesting people and we used to bring them together to do like dope events and things like that. Like one of the things we used to do is we used to do um, we used to do uh, basically rap shows and art shows and we'd like smush them together. So we'd find like these bars or like these really big spread out venues and we'd just talk to all the artists that we met all the like musicians we met pull them together if we talk to a restaurant we'd be like restaurant please give us food and then you know sometimes they would sometimes wouldn't but like we try to like smush it all together please (laughs) Please. um and like sometimes it'd be extra pop and so i feel like that is the key is like sometimes it's about like just like activating different networks like being like yo this band has a whole different vibe pull them together and dude when when this pandemic shit is over culture snack is going to be doing events non-fucking stop and we're definitely gonna have to get you involved oh my god please yes absolutely yeah Um, it's gonna be eclectic af though because like i just i like i feel like we talk to so many different kinds of people it's like we can't not for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm yeah. very, very excited for is uh, I just helped put together a a show actually for a virtual show for the Nasty Banana where I had um, my okay. my birthday show. And um, we did uh, this thing where we had uh, two people going live at the same time and one was an artist and the other was a musician. So the artist mm-hmm. was doing some live art while the musician was playing. And I definitely want to take that um to the real world after this is over and i want to have some artists like maybe just on a big canvas or something like near where the musicians are playing just going fucking ham during the set and creating some cool shit um hell yeah i definitely want to uh right before i left philly i hosted uh an acoustic show and uh i brought in like a couple artists to come show their art uh at a different section of the house like there was music here and then art back here that you could purchase i definitely want to uh keep fucking with that idea because i think uh i mean that's the perfect music and art i mean that's it you know absolutely yeah and just activate other networks and like you know it's just it's just chef's kiss that's that's like my catchphrase right now by the way it is it is i remember that i might have said that on the last podcast 
<laughs> I can't help it. It just feels so good to be like, wow. Like, wow, wow, I'm not everywhere. editing this out, Gemma. I'm just hoping you know. I'm going to do like two. Mwah, mwah, mwah. I wasn't asking you to. <laughs> so I, I, Perfect. So I want to talk about a little bit more about the marketing. Um, and I'm sorry if this is kind of just a redundant question, but I guess what has been really important to you when it comes to marketing? I feel like. Some of it is creating like the networks and uh, just creating those relationships. But then, you know, you know, hoping people come to your shows and then they bring their friends and stuff like that. What has really helped you with your marketing? What do you ha- where have you seen a lot of successes in helping your band or bands grow bigger? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really annoying when it comes to literally every show I play. Um, first off, I'll invite... Uh, <laughs> careful now um, it's a full-on spit take <laughs> I, I invite, like my whole friends list on facebook to whatever event it is that i'm playing um and then oh. i'll text all my homies and i'll be like yo i'm playing a show this day like whether it be in a week or that night like playing a show tonight uh bring out your friends like come through like if you can't make it tell your friends about it please so i'm definitely always hitting people up about like coming to my shows and then um as well as like just the social media aspect of it. I love making posts uh, on uh, Instagram and Facebook for Philly Green. I like kind of putting my own personality into it rather than just being like, hey, show tonight at eight. Hope to see you there. Um, just say some dumb shit, you know, S- some shit that doesn't even make sense. And people are like, what the hell Like, is this band? I'm going to go figure it out. Um, but yeah, just being genuine uh, with your audience is very, very important um, rather than just being monotone in everything that you do um that's gonna draw people away i think that works very well with you because you'll like uh take pictures with the cat and you'll like have these really uh just silly you know like snaps or i guess they're not called snaps but insta stories the other day you were like where the fuck am i where the fuck am i (laughs) (laughs) so it's like really cool i think to see that for yourself and um because I guess you had started Philly Green, so Philly Green is kind of more of your band that you take care of mm-hmm. pretty much everything for. Um, that you get to put more of your personality out there and just kind of say, like, yeah, be authentic like that. So uh, I think that's something that I think is different. So it's nice. <laughs> Definitely. I appreciate Hell yeah. <laughs> So before we wrap up, I just have a few questions for you. For sure. What's the most important benchmark you think you've reached with your music? The most important benchmark that I've reached with my music? Ooh, that is a good question. (laughs) Uh, What do you mean, like, in terms of, like, literally anything, like a show, like a, a song, like... Yeah, any kind of, I guess, goal that you've reached or kind of a step that felt like, wow, okay, this is going to turn some things around, you know? And mm-hmm. this is like, this is just a step towards my goal. For sure. Um, Twin Beds uh, had the really awesome opportunity of playing at Everybody Hits in Philadelphia mm-hmm. before it closed down because it is no longer a thing, sadly. Um <sighs> But we uh, did that for our EP release show and just brought out a hell of a crowd, which was so, so cool. Played with some amazing bands and people were singing our songs like they fucking wrote them. And it was the coolest feeling ever. And so after that show, the guy that uh, booked that show and helps book shows for Everybody Hits and Kung Fu Necktie and some other venues, uh, he hit us up and he's like, yo, I was extremely impressed with the crowd you brought out tonight. Everybody was singing your songs. I'm definitely going to keep you guys, keep an eye out on you guys and hit you up when some bigger bands are coming into town and put you on the bill. And we're like, oh, my God, fucking phenomenal. And so right before uh, every everything started going down, we got an offer to play with a band called Graduating Life at uh, Kung Fu Necktie. And they have some members. Um, Graduating Life fucking kicks ass. They are so good. And their members make up bands uh, from... Uh, what are they called? Uh, Real Friends and Mom Jeans. No and, way! Uh, yeah. So we were about to play with them at uh, Kung Fu Necktie. And then uh, Pandemic hit. No! 
Yeah. Whoa! Wait! Oh my gosh! Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! Wow! Yeah. It was about to be an insane show. So hopefully we get to link up with them again sometime in the future. But I know that guy will definitely have us on his radar. Um, that was proof that he meant what he said when uh, he said he was going to put us on some bigger bills. That's so, fucking amazing! Yeah, yeah, like, Mom, yeah. still pretty stoked about that. So. Yeah, definitely a, a step in the right direction. It could be our fucking breaking point next show we play. I don't know, you know. Yeah, so like, I, Jack, I don't because your punk is not really your thing. But for anybody else who's punk, where punk is not really their thing, like I would say, like real friends and mom jeans are pretty well known within the punk scene. Uh, Hold but- on, my girlfriend's way cooler than me. Baby, have you heard of mom jeans? Yeah, I think so. She says yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool. So that's that's a benchmark. That's 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 so amazing. I'm so excited that that For happened, sure. and I, you know, I do hope that that that. Yeah, to even get that me. offer just meant a lot, you know, and it it it, it means that we're doing something right. Exactly. And I'm very very excited about uh, that. That's so amazing. Well, I guess just my last question: Who's been? Uh, inspiring you lately it can be a band it can be an artist um lately i've been listening to uh, a lot of an artist named briston maroney um really really cool stuff um some alt rocky some 80s rock influence like riffs um just has this real like piercing resonant voice fucking amazing musician and then uh my favorite band of like all time is Slaughter Beach Dog. And so I'm always, always listening to him. Um, and he's a Philly guy too, which makes it even better. Um, but other than that, I've been bopping like the new Car Seat Headrest album too, which is fucking phenomenal. Big, big wreck on that. Um, it's like genre bending. It's blowing my mind. Some good shit. I love it whenever you post music on your Instagram story. So I hope you listen to it. I, I <laughs> hope people do. I post it because I can just like make the put it in a little story that says like tunes or whatever, and I can go back. I've been making like a giant playlist of all the songs that I post, but I'm glad people check it out. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, awesome, Derek. This was amazing. It's always nice to talk to you. Definitely. As well. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Awesome. Well, listeners, thanks for listening in. You can follow Working On It on Instagram at WOI underscore podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our show and hear what you like and what you'd like to hear more of. Please give us a rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and also Spotify. You can follow me at J-E-M-M-A dot D-I-L-A-G. And Jack, where can we find you? Well, you can find good old Jack at golden underscore baby underscore Jack on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, And as always, shout out to our podcasting network, Culture Snack Media. You can follow Culture Snack at Culture Snack Media on Instagram and at Cult Snack Media on Twitter. And before we absolutely wrap this up, Derek, where can we find you? Well, I'm glad you asked, Gemma. Uh, <laughs> you can find my personal uh, Instagram account at Wild Dirk, W-I-L-D-D-I-R-K. And all of my band's Instagrams are in my bio, so you can find those there. And uh, my band's twin beds, uh, Philly Green and Cold Soul, are on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, wherever you find music. We are there. Awesome. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Thanks again, Derek. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.